The message that we have before us is one that has been on my heart for some time. But it's also been a message that I didn't hardly feel like I was qualified to preach. You look back here and actually it says, husbands, love your wives. I've been married for about 50 years, but you know what? I felt like I was more qualified about 50 years ago. (laughs) I guess that's kind of the way it goes. So this morning, we would just ask and covet your prayers in our behalf this morning that that the Lord Jesus Christ would speak to us by the power of his Holy Spirit. It would not be my words, but it would be his. And as a means of introduction this morning, we find that our lives are made meaningful by relationships. And the most meaningful of relationships is that between a man and a woman in holy marriage. Peter called it the grace of life in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And today we see in our society the marriage that continually gets better, the marriage that continually gets richer, the marriage that continually gets more self-satisfying is a rare commodity. Out in our society, we don't see it often. And we only have to take a look into God's Word to see why. Because His Word tells us. And we see that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And it says that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. They'll be boastful, arrogant, revilers, irreconcilable malicious, gossips, without self-control. They're brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this awful list of sins is undermining our homes today. The home has become fair game. For every deceiver, every sexual pervert, every exploiter, as Satan begins to mount his great attack on the foundation stone of our society, the home. And it's sad. That's what we see around us today. Before the fall, Adam and Eve lived in beautiful harmony and satisfaction in a perfect marriage, perfect union. When Adam first saw Eve, he probably said, wow, I mean, wow, God, you did good. She looks different than me. She's a lot more prettier than I am. But man was created first, we see in Genesis, and he was to be head over the woman and over creation. The original relationship between man and woman was so perfect and so pure that his headship over her was that of her consuming love towards her husband, towards Adam. Each one lived for the other in perfect fulfillment of their created purposes under God's rich provision. That was a beautiful, beautiful relationship. Marriage was instituted, as we find, three things for sure. Number one, it was to procreate (laughs) mankind to raise children and to fill the earth. We see in Genesis 1, 28. Genesis 1, 28. Also for the purpose of companionship. Genesis 2, 18. And also we see it's for the purpose of sexual fulfillment and pleasure. Yes, that's what it says. 1 Corinthians 7, 4 and 5. It is for us to enjoy in marriage, not outside of marriage, 
That is sin, according to the Bible. Marriage was corrupted because both men and women did what? They twisted God's plan for their relationship. They reversed their roles. And marriage has been a struggle, and it's been a downward spiral ever since. The unredeemed nature of man and woman is to be what? Self-preoccupied, self-serving, serving only me. And this is not a basis for a harmonious relationship. God's way to a successful marriage is focuses on what you and I put into it, not what we can get out of it. I'll say that one more time. God's way to a successful marriage focuses on what we put into it, not what we can get out of it. As we already addressed, Satan's initial attack on God's supreme creation involved corruption of the family. The first murder was brother killing brother, we see in Genesis 4.8, Cain killed Adam, Adam. A few generations later, we see Lamech as a polygamist in Genesis 4.23. He would departed from God's design for one man, one woman relationship. When Sarah was not able to have children, she persuaded Abraham to have a child by Hagar, her maid, and thereby caused her husband to commit adultery. Genesis 16.4 Because of their wickedness, especially in sexual perversion, God utterly destroyed, wiped out the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Chapter 19.24-25 So we see in the book of Genesis, we see that the reversal of roles of husband and wife, we see polygamy, sexual perversion, adultery, homosexuality, fornication, prostitution, incest, and seduction, each of which directly affects the sanctity and the harmony of marriage and our families, the home. Yet today in our modern society, those very sins are promoted. Young women who are virgins and husbands who are faithful to their wives, they're scorned and laughed at. The only ones who can survive such a wicked and perverse society are believers who are filled by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Apart from God's divine grace and mercy and love, you and I as couples have no more of a chance of making our marriage what God intends than Yosemite Falls has of going uphill. The water won't happen. Can't happen. Satan knows by experience that when the home is weakened, all of society is weakened because the heart of all relationships is the family. The world who led, who's led by Satan tells us that meaning and happiness are found in serving and indulging self in expressing freely our sexual desires however we please. If it feels good, do it. That's what a society tells us today. When we live like this, we destroy every meaningful and satisfying relationship in our lives. And we see it all around us in our society today. The beautiful face the good-looking athletic body, the cool personality, and other superficial attractions cannot hold you and I together when our first priority in life is to serve self and to please ourselves. It will not happen. The lie that no face is ever beautiful enough, no body is ever sensual enough, no wardrobe is ever fashionable enough, and no physical pleasure ever fulfilling enough, sends you and I on a path of self-destruction and total emptiness. And that's the way that the world is living around us today. Now that brings us to our text. <laughs> Finally. I wanted to show us the difference between societies 
how society feels about marriage and how, what the Bible teaches about marriage this morning. And we're going to find it here in uh, chapters 5 of Ephesians. You might turn there, Ephesians 5 if you haven't. Uh, chapter 25 through 33. Paul continues to describe the believer who is filled with his Holy Spirit and is submissive in the fear of Christ, he says in verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. As he already made clear, God has ordained the husband to be head over the wife. But the emphasis of the rest of the chapter is not on the husband's authority, but it's on his duty to submit to his wife through his love for her. And we see that in verses 25 through 31, explain the manner of that love. And verse 32 and 33 reveal its motive. First, the manner of love, number one. 25a. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That is a big, big order. We can't do it on our own, that's for sure. Only for those that are in Jesus Christ. As we just saw, the command, husbands, love your wives, continues Paul's explanation of mutual submission mentioned in verse 21. The husband's primary submission to his wife is what? His love for her. And Paul makes it clear it's blameless, it's everlasting, and it is a self-sacrificing kind of love. We as husbands are to love our wives just as Christ loved the church. In Ephesians 1.4 he says, He chose and loved His own even before the foundation of the world. He called us. He chose us. Why? I don't know why He chose me, but He did. Praise the Lord. We know it is impossible for us as sinful man to love with the divine fullness and perfection which Christ loved the church. We know that. However, because we are believers in Christ Jesus, we have Christ's own nature and the power of the Holy Spirit within us to guide us. God provides you and I as husbands to love our wives with a measure of Christ's own kind of love. That's what He gives to you and I husbands. Because we can't do it on our own. But by His grace and by His power, we can. Number two, in 25b, we see a sacrificial love. It says, Christ, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, and He did what? He gave Himself up for her. That's what He did on the cross for us. He gave Himself up for us. Christ knew from eternity past that He would have to give of His eternal love if we are to provided, be provided a way of salvation. In Philippians 2, 6 and 8 it says that He humbled Himself, becoming obedient even to the point of death on a cross. Loving as Christ's love does not depend on you and I, as, as Cameron made it so plain this morning, it doesn't matter what, what we do. It is only what we totally are in Jesus Christ. In Christ. Husbands, you are not commanded to love your wife for what she is or what she is not. You are commanded to love her because God willed it so in His Word. That's what His Word tells us. And His Word, we know, as 2 Timothy tells us, that all Scripture is given and breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This Word of God is part of God. 
We know that it is intended for you and I as husbands to be attracted to our wives because of her beauty, her kindness, her goodness. You know, they're all good qualities. But even though these qualities are of a great blessing and great enjoyment to us, they are not what bonds us together in marriage. What happens when we begin to age and some of these qualities begin to fade? Are we going to love her just as much? I hope so. I find my wife gets more beautiful to me every day. And it's not just the outside. Now me, that's another story. I look at myself in the mirror this morning and I see I used to have a lot of dark brown hair and lots of it, wavy. And now my hair is snowy white and very little of it. And you know what? I looked in the mirror and I'm not quite as trim as I once was. But she still loves me. Our wife's need for our complete selfless love becomes all the more greater as she begins to age. I see that every time, all the time. This is the kind of love that Christ has for His church, and it's the kind of love that every believing Christian husband is to have for our wives. God did not love the world and send His own Son to, to, to redeem it and to redeem, a, redeem us while we were worthy. He loved us while we were lost, while we were depraved, while we were totally unlovely. He said while we were yet sinners in Roman Christ died for us. Yet Jesus came and He bled and He died because of His divine love and mercy. You and I who love our wife only because of her beauty, only because how she can please us, does not love her like Christ loves His church. That is loving her like the world loves, only for what she can give me. If we love our, our wife like Christ loves the church, Brothers, we will give everything up for her needs, for her well-being. If you and I are really loving husbands, we will willingly be willing to sacrifice our opinions, our likes, our needs, our desires, and even our welfare to please our wife and to meet her needs. That hits pretty close home sometimes. That is how Christ loved His church. He gave Himself up for her. Total submission. How about it then, men? Can we do this in our own strength? We've already said no way. Impossible. Because I desire, really, with all my heart, and every ounce that is within my body, to love my wife in a selfless, sacrificing, self-sacrificing way, yet I fall so short so many times. I fail her. <laughs> you know, so many times it's, it's kind of the little things that maybe gets us in trouble. And uh, I don't know how it is with you men, but... But at the end of our bed, there's this little box, and it sets up close to the, between two closets, and it's got a lid on it, and Ann likes to call it the, uh, it's a clothes hamper, and it's for dirty clothes, and uh, you're supposed to pick the lid up and throw your <laughs> dirty clothes inside the hamper. But you know, it's taken me 50 years to kind of figure out how to lift that lid, it gets heavier and heavier. I kind of wish it didn't have a lid so I could just stand back and shoot my three-pointer. 
But that'd be a problem because then we'd air our dirty laundry. So anyway, anyway, she does. That, that bothers her. And, and sometimes I use that as a clothes horse. I begin to stack things on, you know. I think, well, you know, next Tuesday night's Bible study and next Thursday is this and that and put my pajamas on there. Before you know it, you got a whole big stock pile of clothes. And, and for some reason, she said, put the dirty ones inside the hamper, hang up the good clothes. You know, it's that simple. It seems simple to her. But, you know, if I really loved her like Christ loved the church, maybe I'd try just a little harder. I'm going to try. I really am. By God's grace, <laughs> Lord, please help me. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of a story of a couple in Ripon. I, Mike, you, prob- you maybe would know of them. It was, it was a past about 40 years ago, I believe. And, and this is a, they were probably in their late 40s. And, and his wife developed early onset Alzheimer's. And it wasn't long that he just couldn't care for her any longer, and he had to put her in the, in the Bethany home over there in Ripon. And that man, I'm told, my brother-in-law told me and, and others, that he went in to visit her at least three to four times every day. He would sit with her. He would feed her. He would talk with her. He would read to her. He would pray for her when knowing that she couldn't respond in any way back to him. Now to me, that is sacrificial love. That is loving like Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Total, total submission. That's how we're to love. Number three, we see a purifying love in, verse, in Ephesians 26, 27. I'm sorry, 5, 26, 27. Husbands, no, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. A purifying love. Husbands, for you and I to love our wives as Christ loved the church, we are to love her with a purifying love. Christ's love for His church does not allow Him to be content with any sin or any moral impurity in it. God tells His people, though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Isaiah 1.18 tells us, He casts the sins of His forgiven children into the depths of the sea. Micah 7.19 And He forgives our iniquity and remembers our sin Against us no more. In Jeremiah 31, 34. You and I as believers are completely forgiven every sin. Past, present, and future. The moment we placed our trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Totally forgiven. Thanks to the Lord. Husbands, when we love our wife as Christ loves His church, we will continually help her to live pure and keep her from any defilement. We will try to protect her from the world's contamination and protect her purity in every way that we can. We will help her grow and mature in Jesus We should never, ever try to expose her, our wife, to anything that is not for her spiritual good. In ancient Greece, we're told that a bride-to-be would be taken down to the river and be ceremonially cleansed from every defilement from her past life. 
Whatever her life was before, it had been purified and she would enter into the marriage without any moral or social blemish. No blemish whatsoever. The past was washed away. Christ gave himself up for the church that he might sanctify her how? By the washing of water with the word that he might present himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That, my friends, is what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. He gave his life and shed his blood that he would wipe away all our sins, and there is no blemish left. White is clean. White as snow. Yeah. Red as crimson. That's what he does. That is what Christ did for you and I. He gave us that saving grace that makes us holy through the cleansing agent of the Word of God so that he might, we might be presented to Christ as his pure bride forever to dwell in his perfect and complete love. Husbands, it is the same, it is with that same purpose and love and grace that we help our wife to grow in righteousness, in purity, and in holiness. That's our desire. That is our desire for them. So we've seen the manner of love, we've seen the sacrificial love, we've seen the purifying love, and now number four, we see a caring love. A caring love. In 28 and 30. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh. But what does he do? He nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of His body. Our love for our wife is to be like Christ's love for His own body, the church, His bride. He cares as much for her welfare as much as He does for His own body. And I would never ever want to harm my wife any more than I would want to harm my own body. And I love this old body. I want to nourish it, and I want to cherish my body. Therefore, I want to nourish and cherish my wife. When she needs encouragement, give her encouragement. When she wants you to listen, and this is a tough one, I think, for most of us men, she would like for us to stop and to sit down and to maybe hold her hand or put your arm around her and to look her in the eyes and just listen. It seems like that's difficult for us men. For some reason or other, we get busy and we, 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 we come home and... Uh, from our work day and we're tired and, and maybe the wife really wants to talk. Maybe she's had a rough day and she wants to share with us and it's easy to just maybe neglect her in that way. But I have found what a joy it is when I really do sit down and stop and listen to what my wife really has to say, what's really on her heart. It does her so much good. It fills her heart with joy. 
And that's what we want. If we really love our wives like Christ loved the church, we really care for her, that's what we're going to want to do. When she needs strength, give her strength. Be her strength and her security. Just as God supplies all our needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19, we are to love our wife and care for her every need. A marriage is blessed when we love our wife with unlimited caring and look at her as a God-given treasure because that's really what she is. She is a God-given treasure to be loved and nurtured and cherished. To nurture and to cherish our wives is to help them grow in Christ. It's to protect them. It's to give them tender love and affection, warmth and comfort and security. If we love them like Christ loved the church, we will do that. Christ provides for His church because we are members of what? Of His body, it says. Not to provide for his church would mean not to provide for his own body. And we know how much he loved the church. As we said before, and as we'll continue to say, he gave himself up for her. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.17, the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. We should become one spirit with our wives and with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a caring love. Number five, we see an unbreakable love. An unbreakable love. In verse 31, he says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's what the Bible says. Husbands, we must love our wives with an unbreakable love. One of the greatest barriers today to a successful marriage is the failure of one or both parties to leave father and mother, to kind of hang on to the apron strings. I've seen a lot of ruined marriages that way. When you get married, let go of father and mother and leave father and mother and cleave to your wife. If there's young men here that's not married yet, when you get to that point, leave father and mother you still love them dearly, but leave them and cleave to your wife. Because the Greek word here, uh, prokaleo, I believe it is, means to cleave. Cleave. And cleave means to be glued or cemented together. Have you ever seen anything that's really two pieces of wood that's glued together or cemented together? You cannot pull them apart. You can work and pull and do everything you can, take a hammer to it or whatever, and you can't pull it apart. And that is what he's saying here. He says, leave father and mother and cleave to your wife. Cleave. You have become one flesh. Two became one. Then he goes on. I don't like to, I don't even like to go to this subject, but it is the Bible. <laughs> and it says, I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. 
Malachi 2.16. God has always hated divorce. And God will always hate divorce. Because it destroys that which he ordained to be unbreakable until death do us part. But remember, those of you this morning who might find yourself in this situation. God will forgive you because of his work on the cross, the gospel, just as he will forgive any other sin. He forgives any other of our sins, but He will never change His hatred for it. Just as He will not change His hatred for any other sin. I am so thankful for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ who sets us free. That is why we love to preach the gospel. When a man and a woman are joined in marriage, Jesus said this, They are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Matthew 19.6 The Pharisees then asked Jesus, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate and divorce her? And Jesus said, Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it has not been this way. And I say unto you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. Verses 7 and 9. And we find really it wasn't even God's intent or will that adultery even break the marriage vows or relationship. Because as we look back into the Old Testament, we find this. We see in the book of Hosea, we read about Hosea, and about Hosea's wife, Gomer, who was unfaithful to the extreme. You know what she did? She was not only being unfaithful, but she was a prostitute. That's what Gomer was. And yet the Bible tells Hosea what to do. He says to keep loving and forgiving her. Keep loving her and forgiving her. The more she sinned, it seemed like the more he was to forgive. And by doing this, he was showing God's rich grace and His forgiveness to you and I, His sinning people. We're all sinners. All have come short of the glory of God. It's just some of us are saved sinners. Praise the Lord. In the end, God restored the marriage of Hosea and Gomer, and He gave the promise to Israel I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily. Hosea 14, 4 and 5. And that is the way that our God has always loved His people. That is the way our Savior Jesus Christ has always loved the church and that is the way that you and I, as believing husbands, are always to love our wives. In a complete oneness. If we confess our sins, though, he says, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness in 1 John 1, 9. Peter 
then admonished in 1 Peter 3, 7, he says, you husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way as a weaker vessel, with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman. And grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Doesn't quite go along with our world system today, does it? But we see here three commands. First, a husband is to be considerate, as we already went have told you to our wife, we are to treat them in an understanding and considerate and sensitive way. We are not to rule over them. We are to be considerate of their feelings and their needs. And second, we find that Peter teaches us that we should show courtesy to our wife as a weaker vessel. When we show courtesy to our wife in that way, it pleases her and it pleases our God. You know, I come from a, when, when Ann and I started to date, she loved it when I went and opened the door for her or uh, opened the car door for her or, I don't know, carried her across the threshold when we got married, and things like that. You know, she, she loved those kind of things, you know, that, it just, and, and I, I hope we keep doing that. You know, keep dating your wife. That, that, that's, uh, they love that. Just have a, have a date night. Call her up some night and say, honey, let's, let's go out to so-and-so or whatever. You know, we used to love to go to Denny's and just get French fries when we were kids. <laughs> For some reason, it's still fun. And third, Peter tells us to love our wives as a fellow heir of the grace of life. We should be very best of friends. Not only in our daily lives, but in our spiritual lives as well. We need that. Husbands and wives, we need to come together in spiritual conversation. I can't even tell you how many times in the past 50 years that I have gleaned so many gems from this Bible from my dear wife. She has helped me grow in the Lord in so many ways. I am so grateful, so thankful for her. She is such a loving, dear wife in so many ways, and she helps me grow in Christ Jesus. She also helps sanctify me. And mature me in Christ. That's really what it's all about. Husbands, are we giving our wives consideration, courtesy, and honor? If we are, we are contributing to her beauty, to her strength of our marriage and to her, and giving an example and a legacy to our children and our grandchildren that follow us. There will be a legacy there. Do you know our marriages can be such a, an example of Christ's love to us on a cross, of what He did for us. What an example it can be. And I desire that every marriage here can be strengthened in the way that the Lord Jesus Christ desires in His Word. Number six, the motive for loving your wife we see in verse 32 and 33. We're getting about finished here. In 32, he says, This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This morning, this message is for Christ and His church. He's speaking to believers in Jesus Christ. Those who have received 
the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have come under the name His church. He says it's a mystery. And it is because we have to come under His shed blood and His life and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ to enjoy a marriage like He's just described. Husbands, our greatest motive for loving Purifying, protecting, and caring for our wives is Christ's love and purifying and protecting and caring for His own bride, the church. Our Christian marriage should look somewhat like we have just described. We should be loving. We should be holy. We should be pure. We should be self-sacrificing and mutually submissive to one another because that is the relationship that Christ had with His church. That's the kind of relationship we should have. Totally, mutually submissive to one another. This sacred relationship between Christian husbands and wives is fully related to the sacred relationship of Christ and His church. The same way. Now in verse 33, Paul says, Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife as himself. And wife, we haven't said much to you today, but here it is. And let the wife see that she respect and reverence her husband. There's the kicker. But you know, I really believe with all my heart that the Word of God is speaking first to us husbands. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. I really believe that if we as Christian husbands love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, I don't think there will be any problem with our wives showing reverence and respect to we as her husband, their husband. I don't think so. Some of you might say, well, it definitely goes both together. And yes, it does. I agree with that. I've heard husbands say, well, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really doing all I can. I'm really trying to be a good husband, you know. And, but, you know, you don't understand, preacher. My wife, she just she doesn't show me much respect. Maybe you're not showing her the kind of love. If you really love her like Christ loved the church and gave him, if you really give yourself up for her in every way, She's going to respect you. She's going to love you in return and show that kind of love back to you. I believe that, really. Now in closing, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, when we walk together in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, when we yield to His control and each of one is submissive to the other, our marriages should bring much blessing to ourselves, to our children, and God receives all honor and all glory. Because without Him, we would be just like our society. Does this look like our marriage this morning? Your marriage and my marriage? Are we following according to Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 33 that we have preached on this morning? 
It's my desire this morning that every marriage here can grow closer and closer together, one flesh, and that you might love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, and you wives will return that love with respect and reverence to your own husbands. That is my desire. That was what really just caused us to want to preach this message this morning. And you know, really, this message is for believers. Now, if there is anyone out here this morning, I don't know who that might be, but if there is anyone who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, this message is for you. Uh, Pastor Phil sent me a text of Timothy Keller, a quote by Timothy Keller, and it goes like this. It says, in marriage, do for your spouse what God did for you in Jesus, and the rest will follow. In your marriage, do for your spouse what God did for you in Jesus Christ, and the rest will follow. What did Jesus Christ do for us? He gave His life on the cross. He shed His blood for the remission of our sins. He loved us so much that He was willing to go to the cross and die and give His life and shed His blood for me and for you. And if you haven't accepted the gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel is that the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, went to the cross and He died and He was buried and three days He rose again according to the Scriptures. That is the plain, simple gospel. Do you believe it? If you believe it, you are just like the Philippian jailer that night at midnight when he cried to Paul and Silas and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe on Him. If the, do not harden your hearts if you're here. Come to Jesus Christ today for the day is a day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Might be too late. If Christ is calling you, if He has chosen you before the foundation of the world, you will come. Come today. Because if the Holy Spirit is calling you today, by His love and His mercy and His grace, you can come and enjoy with the rest of us His rich spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. And they are many. Praise the Lord this morning that we can be saved alone through the precious blood of Christ and that by doing so, by trusting in Him and trusting Him to guide us and to lead us, we can enjoy a wonderful marriage here upon this earth. 